Well, hey, good morning, church family. Good to be with you today. Good morning, good morning. Hey, if you're new with us here, just want to welcome you to church. My name is Joe Polino, and I serve as the lead pastor, and it is just such a joy to get to be with you this morning. Good to be in the presence of God, and good to spend some time coming to church, praying together. So thank you guys for engaging in that prayer. Man. Well, hey, we have been in a series, or we've actually been calling a practice called Love One Another for the past four weeks. We're about to enter into week five, our last week of Love One Another. So how has it been for you if you've been with us that whole time in this series? I was talking with someone outside of the lobby right before uh, I stepped in, and she, said, and she said, hey, this series has been so good, but there's been so many opportunities for me to have uh, to love people um, that have been uncomfortable in this time. And so maybe that's been for you, but maybe hopefully as we've been going through the Word of God and the Scriptures and we've been sharing stories and talking about it in Life Group and going through these devotional guides, one that you received as you walked in, that it's been helping us to actually live out what Jesus called us to do. And in John 13, verse 34 and 35, this is right after Jesus washed his disciples' feet at the Last Supper, giving them an example of how to uh, love and serve one another. This is what he said in John 13, verse 34. He said to all of his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think that's pretty profound if you think about, okay, if someone was to point out that's a Jesus follower, it's not in how they love God, it's not in how they read their Bible, it's not in how they love the poor. According to Jesus, it's how you love the other people around you, that that's actually what makes you stick out. Other people will know that you are my followers in the way that you love one another. It doesn't mean that those other things aren't important, but it just means that this is something we need to get right. This is something that we need to grow in. Does that make sense? So here's where we've been just to recap over the last five weeks. How do we practically love one another like Jesus, because the way that Jesus loved us, it's not just loving one another in general, it's we want to love one another as Jesus loved us. So how do we do that? Well, in the first week, we looked at, we're going to, how do we practically love one another like Jesus loves us, is that we need to be in relationship with Jesus. First John 4, 19 says, we love because God first loved us. So it makes sense, that's the place we have to stay connected, that if we're going to love one another like Jesus, we need to grow in our relationship with Jesus. So that was week one. And then that led us into week two, where I said, if we're going to love one another like Jesus loves us, we need to be completely humble and gentle. And we looked at Ephesians 4, 1 through 2, where it says, to walk in a manner worthy of Jesus to be, is to be completely humble and gentle. And even Jesus himself is described as humble and gentle of heart. So we need to be humble and gentle. And then in week three, I feel like week two and week, week one and week two were all prep. And then week three, we started talking about how do we actually interact with one another? How do we speak? How do we talk? How do we serve? And that's, we need to be honest and we need to be honoring. We need to put off falsehood. 
But we also want to speak the truth in love. And we looked at where it said in Romans uh, 12, 9 through 10, let love be genuine. Let it be honest, but also outdo one another in showing honor. And then last week, we looked at, okay, we need to be eager to maintain unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And that was, again, from Ephesians 4. So today is the last, uh, last topic in our practice is that we want to love each other like Jesus by building one another up in love. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians 4. It'll also be on the screen. Um, but as we were going, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about um, just people in my life who have helped build me up over the years. And there were many that came to mind. But what came to mind was the my friends that helped prepare me and build me up for my wedding day. That's what came to mind. My groomsmen, my best men, that's what came to mind for my wedding day. So uh, my wife is not here today. One of our kids is sick at home. Um, but I've been married to my wife, Amy, for uh, nine years. We're going on 10. I think we have a picture of uh, us on our wedding day. So uh, that's me shaving. And uh, we had agreed to not put cake on our faces uh, at the cake-eating part. Uh, she did not abide by that, uh, which I was pl- planning for in this picture. Um, but uh, just, it just was a wonderful day. But all the, the men in my, um, in my groomsmen party had a big part to play in that day being special. So I have a picture as well of some of my groomsmen. Some of you guys are here today. Um, so, uh, uh, you can see my, my nephews are also there, uh, Eli in the middle. He's now 16. I think that's when he was, uh, uh, five. Um, but some of those guys, man, they, they helped make me, they helped prepare me and build me up for this day. Uh, just to my right, we have my brother, John, he's here. He's my best man, uh, in the wedding. And he was the youngest out of all of them. But he uh, stepped up and he honored me by throwing a bachelor party and giving a toast and getting over his fear of public speaking. And I'll I'll never forget that. And then if you look uh, to the guy who looks like the kind of like he's a a caveman um, (laughs) with the hair, uh, Stephen Murray right here. You know, you're a little bit more shaven now that you're executive director of Forerunner. But back then, man, uh, man, you were, you were one of those guys that was there for me. And we didn't have a DJ uh, up to the last minute, and he was the DJ for our party. So he was, man, he was there for me. Uh, and then the guy on the uh, far right, my suit didn't fit, and he, he sold suits for a living. And so somehow he worked magic by going into some Joseph A. Banks and actually made me look like... I was uh, about to go to my wedding and not someone else's wedding. And so I just, I share that just to say, there are pe- who are people in your life who have built you up over time? Because one thing that I think we all can agree on that life is hard and it seems like the world, the flesh, the devil, and just, just life will have a way of tearing you down. Uh, I was playing blocks with my one-year-old Bo and as I put up the blocks, you could not keep him from like tearing it down. He was just, that was the game. And sometimes I feel like life's a little bit like that. Like you're trying to build your blocks and like someone's coming in and just knocking them down. But that's not Christ's desire for us, guys. According to this passage, which we're about to read, Christ's desire for us is that for you and me, that we are built up in love. 
we are strengthened in love, we are edified in love, and that we would be so connected to him and to one another that our joy would be full and that our faith would be resilient and we would become mature together. And that we all need one another to build one another up in love towards Jesus. So here's what the scripture I want to highlight as we're about to go through. Here's, if you're taking notes, here's our roadmap for where we're going to go in the next uh, few 20, 20, 15 to 20 minutes. Is that we need to build one another up in love because it helps us, number one, be spiritually mature, stick together through the storms, and savor Jesus Christ together. So we need to build one another up in love because it helps us to be spiritually mature, stick together through the storms, and savor Jesus Christ together. So the scripture, scripture we're going to read is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And in verse 11, this is what it says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Lord, thank you for this scripture. Thank you for this truth. But thank you even more, God, for your presence. Thank you that we are put into a body and that this is your desire for us. So God, I'm asking that you would get me out of the way. God, you get distractions out of the way and you help us to hear and to see you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so number one, we need to build up one another in love because it helps us to spiritually mature. So let's go back to verse 11 and let's pick up where we see that. It says in verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. There it is, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what is happening here? What's this saying? Well, if, as I read this scripture, my desire and tendency is to dive in to that verse 11 where it talks about those different five spiritual gifts and positions. But I've already done that. Uh, July 23rd, did a message on maturity in Christ, and I went through the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, and how important that is. But this morning... I'll just point you back to that. This morning, I, I didn't want to focus on that. I wanted to zoom out and focus on this, this truth that we are probably familiar with if we've been in church, but is amazing, is that we are put into the body of Christ. We're put into the body of Christ. And how the way that we mature is that Christ actually gives gifts to us and equips us to do works of service 
so that the body may be built up. That's a big deal. So what is the significance of the body of Christ? I want to go to another scripture. This is in John chapter 2 to talk about the significance of the body of Christ. So we've talked about love one another and all these uh, great qualities of Jesus. Well, in this scripture I'm about to read, Jesus, uh, before this, it, it says that he was preparing a whip of cords and that he went into the temple court and that he used this whip to drive out livestock and sheep and animals from the money exchange uh, portion of the temple. And he turned over the money changers, temp, uh, money changers tables and he was saying, what you're doing is not right. My temple or the temple of God is meant to be a, a house of prayer for all nations. You're using it as a den of robbers. And then in John 2, 18, this is what it says. It says, the Jews then responded to Jesus and said, what sign can you show us to prove your authority that you're doing all this? Like, what, what, where did you get this authority to come and make these changes and the quote unquote clean house? And in verse 19, Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're gonna go raise it in three days. 46 years to build this temple and you just said three days. So they're probably like, man, this guy is crazy, but this is, what, uh, this is what it says in verse 21. It says, but the temple that he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So Jesus said, this is not what the temple of God is made for. The temple of God is meant to be a place where the presence of God dwells, where the people of God come, where all people of all nations come, and this is a house of prayer. This is a place where you get atonement for sins, forgiveness, blessing, fullness of joy at the right hand of my presence. This is what it's for, and people are making a profit. So the zeal of the Lord, of the, the passion of, of, of Jesus said, this is not right. But what was the sign that he said? He said, destroy this temple in three days. Uh, it'll, I'll, in three days, I'll build it back again. So he was talking about his body. And so when we talk about we're the body of Christ, man, it's, just, it's a significant thing to think about that we as the body of Christ are the temple of God. Like the Jerusalem temple that people would make the, the, their rites of passage to, like the presence of God is, is no longer confined to the holy of holies where you have to go through different hoops. The veil is torn at the cross and that the spirit of God dwells in us. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. So when we say the body of Christ, it's not that he's not using a parable to describe what we are. He's not saying the kingdom of heaven is like. He's saying we are the body of Christ. It's not a we're like, we are the temple. We are the body. And you're like, well, you know, choose, choose a metaphor, temple or, or, or body. Well, he says here, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. It was his body. So we are the body of Christ and we are a temple. It says in Ephesians 2, 19, 19 through 21, uh, 
read this earlier in the year. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built, there we go, build up in love, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. And then get this, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And then verse 22, it says, in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Man, so we're being built up. How is God building us up? How is he building us up? How do we grow? How do we mature? Well, according to the passage we just read, God builds us up as we serve one another with the gifts and opportunities that are given to us. And it's not just a few people. It says in Ephesians 4, it says that he gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the pastors, the teachers, he gave them to equip the saints for the works of ministry, to equip God's people. So there's no 80-20 rule of, in most businesses and in most churches or most nonprofits that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's not what scripture says. The way that we mature individually and together is that every single one of us has a work or has a ministry for us to do. Isn't that awesome? That each one of us has been given a grace, has been given a gift to do. So what, what are some of those gifts? What are some of those good works? Well, in Romans 12, here's a short list of them. It's not exhaustive, but here it says in Romans 12, 4 through 6, it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. All right? So here are the, some of the different gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So what I love about this list is that it's mixed together with all different options. So one of you might have a gift to listen to God so that you can love someone else and say, I feel like God is saying this to you right now. And if it's something that sounds encouraging for your building up and encouragement, that is the gift of prophecy and how it's used in our body. It's listening to the Lord to love other people. Maybe that's a gift. That sounds really spiritual. I don't know if I'm there yet. Well, maybe yours is to serve. Maybe yours is to be generous with your finances. Maybe yours is to lead something or to build. And so there is a variety of different ways to get involved with this. So what is an, some of the obstacles or hurdles? I was thinking about this for me. As I was thinking about my own journey with the Lord. I was thinking about what has kept me from jumping in and serving other people. And one is simply that when I started coming to church, uh, I didn't want to serve because I wanted to dip my toe into things of God and I did not want to dive in. Uh, one of those reasons was just simply my plans were selfish. <laughs> I had plans that I wanted to accomplish in my life, and I was afraid 
that if I was to fully give myself to God and his church, that those wouldn't happen. I, I don't know if any of you have been in that situation, but you know, it's like the rich young ruler of leaving all I had to follow Jesus is a high cost. And I was like, I would uh, like to maintain some of my control. So I'm going to come to church. I'm going to sit in the back. And if I like it, I'll evaluate the service, the pastor, you know. And then if I don't, I'm going to check out. So it was very me-centered. Well, God, in his love, let me go down the road of my own plans on my own, kind of like the younger son being sent off into the far country. And I got a taste of what that was like. And when I came to my senses and those plans were not as great as I thought by God's grace, I was like, I need the Lord. And so as I came back, I came back to that same service. This time I was in college. I would sit in the back and I would say, God, if you're real, show me. And it didn't matter if the topic or that Wednesday night college service was, was dating, finances, or the glory of God. I was weeping in the back because the Holy Spirit was moving in my life. He was saying, I'm real, and you've asked me to show me if you're real, and I've come. And I would, I would just say, okay, Lord, I'm here. And so I am so thankful for that, for those people that greeted me at the door, that preached, that prepared the space, that gave tithe so I could go to that place and encounter the Lord, and it changed my life, just a simple service. And they, didn't, they had no idea but it changed my life. And out of that place, I just said, Lord, you're showing me you're real. What do you want me to do next? And through, uh, through different opportunities with friends, I was invited to uh, eventually, I said, well, I want to, how can I contribute? How can I give? And um, I was a sports camp director over the summers to make money. And so they said, hey, we need helpers with kids who, uh, are from single parent homes and at-risk kids for the after-school program at the church that I was going to in Waco. Anyone would be interested in that? And I was like, I think I could do that. And as I stepped in, it was not comfortable. I wouldn't say like, oh, like this was like my sweet spot. But as I began to serve uh, these kids in elementary school and get to meet their families, and it was hard. There were multiple times where this child, uh, I lost them in the building because they were not obeying what I wanted. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't want to do homework. They wanted to mess with me. But then I would go to their house and I would see how basically they were raising themselves and how they didn't have role models. And it was like, oh, like, but in that place of just getting to use a little bit of what God had given me and stepping out in faith, man, I became more and more mature. And as I was doing that, it wasn't just me, but there was like this unity that was happening in the other people that were serving. And so I just share that example of saying there might be something that you're like, man, I don't feel ready for fill in the blank, but maybe I could do something like that. Maybe I should do something in, 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 the, in the wheelhouse that I feel comfortable in. Man, I would just say whatever it is, let love be your motive, <laughs> love for God and love for people, and, and you're going to end up in the right spot. Okay, so whether that's like, you know, I'm, I'm for spiritual, inventory, spiritual gift inventory test, but I'm just saying let love be your motive and just say, hey, Lord, am I serving your church? Am I serving your body in some way? If not, what's a simple way I can love the church? Maybe it's just, maybe, maybe your step is just belonging to a life group and coming. Maybe you are like me and you just need to sit in the back and you need to hear more about the love of God. Grace to you 
peace to you. But maybe I know that I just trust the Holy Spirit to speak to each person right now. What is he lovingly prompting us to move forward to? So that's point number one, to be spiritually mature. We're led forward in love to serve one another. Cool. Number two, we need to build up one another in love because we need to stick together through storms, through the storms of life. So let's read where we see that in verse 14 of Ephesians 4. It says, as we do these things, as we serve one another, it says that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. Okay. So what is this saying? We will no longer be infants. Well, Jesus said, let the children come to me. The gospel is that we come as we are. We don't have to clean ourselves up. So he's not saying that you need to become mature before you come to me. You know, this morning, my wife is at home. God bless her with our three-year-old who has a stomach bug, and he threw up. I don't ask Noble to clean himself up before I enter in to help him. <laughs> I say, you need, you need to come. And if I shook your hand this morning, I, I washed my hands. It's okay. But I, 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 I'm just saying, like, that is God's heart, is that you come as you are. We come as we are to him. But he loves us enough not to leave us where we're at, but actually grow us to be not infants, but to be spiritually mature. You know, I don't want to just have Noble on the one extreme uh, clean up his own throw up and then I'll come and I'll change his clothes or on the other extreme, just say, you're good as you are, buddy. You know, I love you. I love you. Well, he's just like, you know, reeking and crying like the Lord is going to transform us to become more like his son, Jesus. Amen. That is a good thing. Oh, it's such a good thing that he loves us like that. So he doesn't want us to stay there. But how do we mature according to this scripture? What is one of the ways that we're not tossed back and forth? And I'll just add again, this is not just us uh, self-actualizing our lives. This is us being dependent upon the Holy Spirit, and we are in a spiritual battle where there is not just a neutral, uh, it's, it's not a neutral playing field. It says here that there are cunning and craftiness of people and the deceitful scheming. I mean, we know, again, from the world, the flesh, and the devil, his main objective is to come in and to divide and to make us spiritually immature as a church. That's his main objective. The victory's already been won at the cross, but the ongoing battle and the advancement of his glory and his name in our generation and in our, uh, in our families and in our cities, like... He wants that, and he wants us to partner with that, and we want to become more and more like Jesus. Amen? So how do we do that? How do we grow to become spiritually mature? Well, it says here on verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So speaking the truth in love is a key for us to mature, for us to go from being infants to growing into becoming more like Jesus. We need both the truth and we need both the love. Amen, Graham. That's my nephew. That's right. Truth and love. Preach it, Unc. All right. So we have uh, next here a, a picture 
of, uh, of a ship. And in the bottom of this ship, there's something called a ballast, where it actually takes on water to make it heavier, and it gets just the right amount so that when it's out in the sea and there are waves tossing it back and forth, that because of the weight in the, in the bottom of the boat, it won't topple over. And you see the water coming out of the, of the ballast as it's coming in. If there's, if there's not enough water there, if there's not enough weight and it's too light, then every single wind and wave will, will, will toss it back and forth. And in some ways, if we don't have truth in our gut of who Jesus is, then whatever the last podcast or sermon or movie or thing that we've heard is going to swing us. It's going to blow us. And just like we prayed before, we do live in turbulent times, and we need to have the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't know, if you're questioning, the tomb is empty. It's in the resurrection that we find ultimately that root of truth that he is alive. And because he lives, we live. And you build from there, and you look at the teachings of Jesus, and you strengthen yourself with the truth. But if you have too much water, too much truth, truth can actually become hard. And you can be truthful, just like we talked about, we can be honest, but if we're dishonoring to people, that's not how we mature. Because then if you don't have love, then you're nothing. It doesn't matter if, like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, right? So you need to have both truth and love. Truth and love. And as you have that in you, that's what helps us to weather the storms together. And as I was praying and thinking about this, uh, I, I put this in the, in the weekly email, but it was, it's been an emotional kind of up and down week for me. And I was thinking, Lord, why am I going so up and down? Why do I feel like I'm being tossed to and fro? And as I was thinking about it, I was kind of out of my rhythms of being with people. And I felt more isolated. I felt more alone. And while I was getting truth in God's word and I was praying and I was asking for help and I was sharing with Amy man, I needed to have more interaction with, uh, with my brothers in Christ. And I got to pray with some of those guys and it just, it lifted some of my burden. And some of you are like gritting your teeth, trying to do your best to, uh, to have your ballast full at, in your workplace or in your family or in different environments. But it's not enough just to have truth. You need to have the love of your brothers and sisters around you to speak life, to speak encouragement, to be with you. And that's what we're called to be. We need to stick together to weather the storms of life. John Stott, I love this quote that he gave about truth and love. He said, truth becomes hard if it is not softened by love. Love becomes soft it is not, if it is not strengthened by truth. The apostle calls us to hold the two together, which should not be difficult for spirit-filled believers since the Holy Spirit himself, the spirit of truth, and the first of his fruits is love. There is no other route than this to be a fully mature Christian in unity. Powerful. Love that. So how do we do this? How do we come together to love one another and build, us, build each other up in love. Number one is that we want to serve one another. Number two is that we want to stick together and we want to encourage one another in truth and love. Speaking truth and love to one another will help us grow and mature. Okay? So then lastly, the last point, and I'm going to go over 
is that we need to build up one another in love because it helps us to savor Christ together. It helps us to savor Christ together. You know, going back to that picture of my uh, groomsmen, just thinking about them, um, man, uh, they were wonderful, and my brother was a great best man. If my brother, during the part of the ceremony where I am looking for Amy coming down the aisle, if he was to jump out in front in between me and Amy (laughs) and to say, Joe, Amy is coming. She's beautiful. You're going to be really excited. It's awesome. Like, I would be like, move out the way. Like, let me see my bride. Let me see who, who, let me see her finally. I have been waiting for this moment, right? Well, when we are together, we help one another savor Christ because he is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And so we help each other see that that gaze of, of just like the, it says in Ephesians that when we believe, we receive the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a deposit of what we will receive in full. And it says one day we're going to see Jesus face to face. But in the meantime, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the body of Christ to help us look at Jesus's face. Look at him. Uh, delight in him, bride. Beloved, you are, you are called the children of God. We're made to behold him. And so we as fellow grooms and bridesmen, if you will, uh, are helping to be good best men and good best women or bridesmaids. Sorry, I'm not as familiar with that terminology. But we want to point each other to Jesus, right? That's the goal. But I just just love Jesus. I just want to share this one scripture as we close because, well, I'll share two and then I'll close. It says in in, uh, verse 16 of Ephesians 4, It says, from him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself in love, builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. I mean, that's such a beautiful sentence, but it's all from Jesus. (laughs) It's from him that the whole body is joined and held together. Every ligament, everyone is needed, and everyone has a part to play. As each does its work from him, we get a picture of who he is. And this is what he says in John 15. And this is the last scripture I want to just end us with. It says in John 15, verse 9, Jesus, knowing he was going to the Father, he says this. He says to his disciples, and just imagine he's saying this as if he was right here with you right now. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, I, I can just say here with uh, no hesitation, I would love to invite you in to serve one another, to stick together with one another, and to behold Jesus because I want your joy to be full. Because that's what Jesus wants. His commands are not burdensome. His commands are good. There is a sacrifice involved. There is a, a dying to self. But the gospel is die to yourself and find true life in Jesus. 
That's what it's about. And here is just a beautiful picture of Jesus saying, I want my church's joy to be full. So how, okay, so if I'm going to remain in your love, what is the command? What is the command you want us to do? Love each other. Love each other like I have. It's not burdensome. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. If you want to have your joy full, then I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Remember, greater love has no one than this, than those who lay down their lives for their friends before Jesus comes and does that. Wow. So here's how I want to close. I want to invite the band to come on up. And as they're coming up, just to recap again, just to summarize, just to repeat, how does God want us to build and grow up as the body of Christ? How does he want us to do that? Number one, it's as we serve one another. As we serve one another and every single person has a place to serve. Every single person has a gift to contribute, whether big or small. Number two is to stay connected by speaking the truth and love to one another. And number three, help stir up one another to enjoy Jesus together, to have that, you know, that image of, okay, Lord, I'm going to imagine just seeing you face to face. How can I help my friend? How can we stir up one another so that we can see Jesus? And as we do that, man, I'm just excited to see what God does. And so I want to draw your attention as we close to this handout that you should have received as you walked in. If you turn to the back, at the top it says, love one another, and it says, build up one another in love. And what this is, is just in your own time uh, to really nourish your own soul and renew your mind by doing three things, to worship God, to get in the word, and then to pray. But as we close here, I wanted for us to take some time to look at the prayer section, and it just says, pray for yourself. It has a little prayer there just to help you get started of, Father God, thank you that your love is patient, kind, and never ceases. Thank you for Jesus. Help me to know your love more and more today. But then in the next part, it says to pray for your church family. It says, Father God, thank you for for connecting me in the body of Christ. Thank you for fill in the blank who's shown me your love. Is there a small way I can serve or love them today? And just take some time, Holy Spirit, who is someone in the body of Christ who's shown me your love that I can be thankful for? And just to spend time asking him, who is that person and how can I encourage them? How can I love them? And then lastly, there's maybe someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus. Father God, thank you for for this person today. Draw them to yourself. Show them who you are. Is there a small way I can serve or love them today? So just with those prompts in mind, I just want to make room for Jesus to be Jesus, for the Holy Spirit to speak, and for us to go to the Father because we are the body of Christ, and it's through Him that He builds us up. Amen? So just give some space, and we're going to sing this last song. But as we sing, I just want to, Holy Spirit, who are you bringing to mind to say thank you for? Who are you bringing to mind to encourage And for that to be something that we do, not just on uh, this morning, but ongoing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So uh, I'm going to pray and just invite you to to stand and respond. We're also going to have our prayer team up here. And you might need someone just say, hey, I feel like I'm like, I'm that ship that's tottering back and forth. I just need someone to come and speak truth and love to me and pray. 
We're going to have our prayer team up here available for anyone who wants to come. Just encourage you to respond as the Lord leads. Jesus, I thank you that this is your desire. You want to build us up in love. Every single one of us needs to be built up in love. Every single one of us need you to come and to help us, Lord. And so we just say, Jesus, come. Show us who you are. Help us to respond and to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.